Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. We are back at it again. Welcome into episode 107. 1075 WG. No, it's not WGCI. It's episode 107 of the House of L podcast. I am the L of House of L podcast. My name is Lawrence Holmes. Thank you so much for listening to this week. I'm I'm excited about this episode. I know I say that every week, but when you get a chance to talk with good people with great energy, it's hard not to get excited. And my my guest this week is a ball of energy, and I think you'll hear me talk about it in, inside of here. I, I think that she's been one of the most interesting people during the pandemic, like covering the pandemic. And it's not like she's covering the serious stuff, although occasionally there are a couple of serious traffic issues that end up popping up. But I feel like Sarah Gendra has become must-watch television on Channel 9. And she's fun. Like, we've hung out. Like, I've actually hung out with Sarah a couple of times here and there at different Channel 9 events that I've gone to. She she seems to me, like, I in dealing with her in person, like, what you see is what you get. It's the same person. When, when I hung out with her, as you're seeing on television, and I think that's part of why she's really good at doing what she's doing. Before we get to the interview, I want to remind you, I started a YouTube page for House of L. And this this episode, once I'm done editing it, will go up on a video version of it too. And you'll be able to see some of that, see our conversation. But there's stuff up there that isn't on the podcast. Like stuff that I haven't put on the podcast is on the YouTube page. Like my interview with Jason Hayward. Like my interview with my good friend Joanne Martin. When we were talking about schooling from home. Like my interview with Michael Felder from Stadium where we broke down the entire Bears 2020 draft class. So I'm starting to get the hang of this now, like getting back into doing some video editing. At some point, I'll get good enough where I can get creative and put some stuff in into the the videos. But for now, it's just kind of straight video. Like, here's the interview and that's it. But while I'll keep experimenting and Hopefully make it a fun page. So if you're on YouTube, please subscribe. Just search House of L Podcast and you will find it. There's what three videos up there uh, at the time that I'm recording the intros to this, which is Saturday afternoon. So there'll be more stuff. I have more content. And what's crazy is that now that I'm doing a lot of stuff, I'm talking to people via Zoom. I have more video content. So I figured... Why waste it? Why not just throw it out there? So that's what that's what we're going to do this week on, on the podcast. You can hear Sarah Gendra, and then later on you'll be able to see Sarah Gendra and everything else that goes up there. I'm kind of expanding a little bit. I guess I'm 
expanding House of L and with all this time on my hands, there there was no reason not to. There's no reason to not learn how to edit video because it's the same thing for the most part as editing audio. I used to do it when I was working in TV as a producer. So now I'm trying to get back into it and get better at it. So go check it out. The House of L podcast. Search it on YouTube and you'll find some of the videos. Back to Sarah. She's great. You see her every morning on Channel 9. She used to be up up in the traffic copter. They haven't done that. She's been doing traffic from home, and it's been bloody brilliant. So I wanted to talk to her about that. I wanted to talk to her about her origins, and there's a an interesting connection that she has to Hallis, to George Hallis. I think you'll find that something that you should talk about after you're done listening. Here is the fabulous Sarah Gendra. We get you on that. Yeah. I wanted to have you on the podcast for a lot of reasons. I One, I think you're terrific. And I think that the, the news cycle throughout all of this, you have been the biggest star that I've seen. With <laughs> well, all tell this. me more, Lawrence. Jeez. Well, here's what I want to know. Once, once Channel 9 decided that they were, they were going to have you work from home, yeah. what did your mind start doing as far as creating a studio at home? Right. So in my house, this is the only room I have where it's downstairs. We have an upstairs and a downstairs. This is the only room where it's closed off where I wouldn't have woken everybody up because we start my first hits at four o'clock in the morning. So my family is usually sleeping till about 630 and I have two kids and my husband, they wake up around then. So I like ran around my house trying to find somewhere that would work. And this was our little office that works. But I don't know if you can hear my audio. It's it's a room without carpet. So I have blankets on the ground. My audio is not excellent. I have kind of turn it around. There's just this little ring light thing. We moved the desk because the desk was showing that way. So we had to move that so that there was at least something in the background. So you kind of just rush around and see, okay, what would look, it's not perfect, right? Like none of us are, I shouldn't say none of us. Some people are doing it really well, but you just make do with what you've got. Yeah, I think I think that you're one of the people that's doing it really well. And and I was every time that you do something traffic wise, it, it cracks me up because you're <laughs> you're you're doing a tremendous job of incorporating your children's toys and and the easel and everything else. You've come up with some inspired stuff. And thank and you. I, I want to know where that creativity comes from and that freedom to be creative comes from. Well, the freedom, thankfully, for WGN, as you know, anybody who watches WGN, thankfully, our bosses pretty much, you get away with a lot and you're create, you can be creative, which is really awesome to work in a space like that. Um, as far as how we thought, I, the very first day, so the first Monday, I was one of the only ones at our station working from home and somebody just wrote on Facebook, oh, you should use your son's matchbox cars and do a report. So that very first day, I was like, that's a great idea. So I ran and got his cars and that one was really simple. It was just, Hey, look, here's a bunch of cars on the ground. And now that's what it normally looks like. And I pushed him out of the way and I was like, now here's what it looks like on the road, no traffic. So that was the very simple beginning. Um, and yeah, thanks to a viewer. And then I was like, well, I think we can start using that, you know, further. And so last week was probably the most intense one where I rebuilt the junction. <laughs> 
So the Montrose Junction where the Kennedy and the Edens connect, I used my son's train, train tracks to build the roadway. And that probably took like two hours to do. Did it really? (laughs) It's so stupid. But I'm telling you, we have nothing to do here at home. And you're with two kids. My daughter is one, so she still naps. My son's almost four, so he's not napping anymore. And it's like, I'm up at three. I have nothing to do then all day with these kids. I mean, we play how often we play outside when we can. We, you know, you do what you can, but it's like, okay, let's start building things with the train tracks. <laughs> so we do what we can, you know. <laughs> Whose idea was it to recreate the Brian Erlacher highway signs? That was my idea. Did you like that? I absolutely I Is would, that look I, I was I was sitting in my room getting ready to prep for, for my show and I watch you guys every morning awesome and I looked up and I was like that is inspired because <laughs> when you get when you get around Rosemont you cannot like those signs are ubiquitous you cannot get away from them they're everywhere Urlacher Ryan Sandberg I, I think my only disappointment was that I didn't do one for Ryan Sandberg too I'm sorry I should have done that too but um yeah and then my next one somebody I did the tri-state a little further south a couple weeks ago and someone's like why didn't you include the Urlacher billboard and I said you gotta stay true to the area it's not there right <laughs> right you got you want to be accurate in your depiction using Absolutely. roadways <laughs> Is that why you asked me on? Is that the sports connection here? No, I mean, we, honestly, <laughs> like, like the great thing about House of L is that I'm really trying to find out how people do their job. So, yeah. the, but the sports thing, like that, that just as a viewer, as a, a longtime Channel 9 morning news viewer, <laughs> that one knocked me out. Like that would, <laughs> how, much, how much work did you put into that? That one's not, it did not take long at all. Cause I just went on, um, what's the place called that does the hair restore restores yeah. webs or their Facebook page. And I literally just printed out the thing and I taped it on. Yeah. It didn't take long. I just, I just <laughs> thought that, that it was absolutely dope. And then yesterday you did the, the as we're taping this, you did the grid. Yeah. I feel like that is, it's so interesting to me because obviously like as we're doing our day to day jobs, we get used to a routine. It's funny to me that I think that you've actually stumbled upon, like I would, I would consider that like true journalism where you're teaching people something that they probably don't know. Like a right. lot of Chicagoans understand the grid, but I'll, I'll even tell you that I'm someone who had memorized going North. Right. When I, when I was growing up, we never came North. So I know I grew up on 100, 111th in Halsted, okay? Okay, okay. So I'm, I'm a grid kid. Like, I, yeah. I get it. But we never came north until I went to DePaul. Isn't so crazy? Yeah. Yeah, like learning, yeah. Like, the this, this simplicity of learning that the numbers go the other way mm-hmm. was crazy. And then learning the grid of every four blocks, there's going to be kind of a street. And every eight blocks, there's going right. to be a street. Learning that was key. So you doing that yesterday, I actually think helped a lot of people. Well, it's funny because I have, I can't remember, it's 26 or 27 traffic hits a morning. So I, I'm from, yeah, I work from four till 845. And so I have a lot of traffic hits. And, and going through this, you know, in the beginning, there was a lot to talk about because, you know, public transportation was constantly making changes or, you know, the tollway was making changes. Everybody was adjusting to the new normal. 
you want to call it that. So I had a lot to talk about. Um, and don't get me wrong, there's been days still with the weather where it's been crazy out there because people are driving a whole lot faster, as I'm sure if anyone has been on the road has noticed. So some of the crashes have been more severe. Um, so I have had stuff to talk about, but I thought, you know, with that many hits in the morning, why not try to spend one or two of them going over stuff that I never have time to actually right. talk about during the normal work week because it's always so crazy and so busy and you have to get people where they need to be. And we're still doing that. I, I know there's essential workers that we are still providing that information for, but if I just take one or two hits a morning out of the 20, you know, some and kind of get creative and use it to explain either a construction project. And then this week I started doing that homeschool you were talking about um, just to kind of explain more of traffic to people. And it seems like people have been really receptive to it and enjoying it. So I was we'll wondering with, with the grid in particular, what type of yeah. feedback have you gotten? Good, good feedback. Like it's interesting, like what you said, people who say I've lived in Chicago my whole life. I didn't know this part of it. Like even the part, um, south of the zero zero so state and madison is zero zero typically every 800 block is um a mile and i i flubbed it up a little bit when i was talking about it on air i just said every 800 blocks <laughs> and i'm like no <laughs> that's not what it is but i had already explained that you know 660 feet equals a mile equals about eight blocks in chicago so i had explained it all but some people call you out on that stuff and you're like come on but it's every 800 block is about a mile. Well, when you get south of State and Madison, that changes. So it goes from the mile to, I mean, if, if you want to watch the video, I can explain it really quick. But like down to Roosevelt, that's 12, 12 blocks equals a mile. Then after that to Surbeck, it's 10. And then the 31st, it's nine. Then south of there, it gets back to normal. So that's one thing that I think a lot of people didn't know. And I honestly, I can't tell you why that is. I need to figure that out. Yeah. I need it, to figure out why. I think it has to do with the way it was all built back way back when, but I'll no figure doubt. that part of it out. <laughs> but, if, but if you get on the Ryan and you see where the exits are, it all makes sense. Yeah. Where oh, yeah. Okay. 55th, 59th, 63rd, 67th, 71st, 75th. Like, it makes sense where and, – and honestly, like, it even – kind of goes along with the red line too like you end up getting off on a lot of the grids grid yeah big blocks on the grid so i thought that was really helpful and as a a lifelong south sider i honestly didn't know that between uh madison and roosevelt was one mile i know i always was a mile and a half yeah and, yeah and, and in it, learning that it was a, a mile was a breakthrough for me. So I, I got called out too for leaving out the Southeast side because on the Southeast, there's not that many. So I just didn't have room thing. but it same goes for the Southeast side. So it's 800 Cottage Grove, Stony, and it continues onward that way as well. But um, when you're downtown, obviously it doesn't go East. So you got to get a little further South. Well, I have another project for you to do. Uh, you uh -oh. Do the, well, no, 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 this is, <laughs> It's a traffic project, but it's, okay. I, I think that it's always interesting. The old Native American past that are all of our diagonal streets. Yes. See, that's something that could be a lot of fun where you're oh just talking gosh. about Milwaukee and Clybourne and Clybourne, Elston, all of them. Yeah. Chicago and <laughs> all, so all these. Agden. Yeah. 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 Like that, that to me is a lot of fun. Um, what's it like to be in the helicopter? Oh, it's cool. We haven't flown for, well, they're still flying. The pilot and the um, photographer are still flying. They work out of Schomburg. 
So t on a typical morning, if I were back at the station, I would be from four to 6.30 in the morning reporting from studio. And then we have a helipad out in the parking lot. And so at 6.30, I run out to the, to the helipad, they pick me up, we fly, land at 7.30, I go back to studio for the rest of my morning and they go back to Schaumburg. So it's kind of a crazy, um, just kind of crazy, but it's cool to have that. Um, it's weird not being up there. I love flying and I love seeing the sunrises. It's just gorgeous. Our city is gorgeous. And so I'm definitely missing that. Yeah. Had you ever been in a helicopter before you started doing this? No, my first time I started filling in for Mike Lorber on NBC years ago. God, this was probably in 2007, 2006 or 2007. Um, I started filling in for Mike Lorber on NBC and before they let me do it, they said, okay, here's a bag. If you don't throw up, you've got the job because they knew I was in journalism and I had been doing on-air stuff um, in the studio. So it was basically like, just don't puke and we'll let you continue and try this. I'm like, okay. And I didn't puke. So I still have yet to throw up in the helicopter, even through two pregnancies. That is super <laughs> impressive that, that you're able to do that. Yeah. Not bad, huh? That's, that's badass <laughs> right there is what that is. This is a weird question because I, I don't want to insult you, but did you think that your path in journalism was going to take you to the traffic department? No, never. I honestly didn't even know this was a career. Um, I was, I went to school, journalism school for undergrad and I went to Syracuse for grad school um, in journalism. And then I got my first job at the CBS affiliate in Champaign. Um, and I worked there for about two years just as a general assignment reporter. And my boyfriend, every, all my family, who's now my husband, um, lived in Chicago that whole time. So while I was in New York, while I was here, we had been doing long distance the whole time. So eventually I was like, I would really love to get closer to Chicago. And as you know, in journalism, the next steps would be Milwaukee or Indy, right? So I started looking, I was applying for jobs there. I had a couple interviews in Milwaukee and I shit you not, I got, I saw a post on Craigslist. And it said, looking for a Chicago traffic reporter. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know. It's in Chicago. I could probably try that. I could do it. It said TV Chicago traffic reporter. It didn't say for who. So I go to this interview and I find out. So a lot of traffic in Chicago, just a little background, is contracted out. So right now I actually do work for WGN, but for years I worked for different various traffic companies and we were contracted out to different stations. So the contractor at the time made this post on Craigslist and it was for NBC Chicago. And I got the job and I started doing traffic on the weekends. I was working at a bar in Wrigleyville during the week, <laughs> trying to make enough money. Um, and it was, it just all fell into place and I actually started to really like it. And I thought, okay, well, this seems to be working right now. Let's just see where this goes. So I started doing traffic, um, doing the NBC weekends. And then I was the fill-in for the weekdays on NBC. Matt Rodewald was the main traffic guy at the time. Um, and then I would started filling in for Mike Lorber in their helicopter. Then a job came up for radio and it was for WBEZ in Chicago. So I got that full-time position as a split shift and continued doing NBC on the weekends. 
Um, so I just kind of kept learning, kept growing. And, and like any job, I mean, I didn't know anything about traffic when I first started. So, but like any job you learn, right? Like you listen to the people around you. And I just tried to be like a sponge and take it all in. And eventually then got the CLTV job and then WGN hired me and it just all worked out really well. And I've been incredibly lucky <laughs> to be on this path. And yeah, I, I don't think it's anything I ever imagined. I never thought traffic reporting would be my career, my calling. I never sat in my room practicing, you know, the helicopter sound in the background with me reporting. <laughs> but I've got to tell you, I love it. I think it's awesome. And even with WGN now, I still, they give me the ability to anchor too. So I'm a fill-in anchor. So I still have that ability to, um, you know, do that part of it as well, which is great. What was the ramp up to learning Chicago traffic like? How, how does one learn <laughs> Chicago traffic? Well, first of all, you're surrounded by people who know their stuff. So um, I started when I was, you know, just doing weekends for NBC. I also would produce sometimes on the weekdays, which means you sat in a room. At the time, there were three people in a room with TVs all over and scanners. We each were in charge of three or four scanners and you're just listening and you're entering data into a, a computer system that then goes out to all of the clients, all of the stations. So I did that when I first started and that helps so much. So you're, you're listening to scanners, you're training your ears and then you're entering the data. And by doing that, I think you really learn. Now, the other side of that is being in the helicopter at the time when I started GPS in the helicopter did not work. Oh, so as a newbie, Mike Lorber is awesome, right? Like he knew where everything was. I was new. I had no clue. And I was his villain and I didn't want to look stupid. So I sat in front of a computer and used my Google maps and I did satellite view and I drew every single expressway and toy in Chicago, what it would look like from above. Was it a cloverleaf intersection? Was it just one? Because I want, and I drew like, did train tracks come over? Cause I didn't want to look like an idiot on air if NBC said go to this location and I couldn't find it. <laughs> wow. So yeah, now it's wonderful though. GPS works up there and it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but that, but that base of knowledge that you have serves you well because you have the technology, but you don't need it now. Yeah, I mean, it helps. I'm not gonna lie, I use it a lot. It really helps. <laughs> We can get there a lot faster. <laughs> and, and honestly, the pilots are all amazing. Like the photographers, everybody works like such a great team. Our assignment desks, our news editors, they're the ones up there too telling you, okay, there's a crash here. They help you with everything. It's such a team process that everybody's awesome and everybody involved really helps get you there. It's not like I know everything. <laughs> you talked about anchoring. And yeah. I, I think you're really good at it. And the reason that I think you're good at it is that you, you have a, an authenticity about you that is dope. And when you're on the air, you're you. And, and I wonder you. How, how important is it to you to come across that way, to make sure that, that they're getting full gender, like they're yeah. getting, getting the real deal? I honestly credit that all to WGN. Um, I go back and I look at some of my tapes from, I mean, when you're first starting out in journalism, I don't know if you did this, but like, I go back and look at my tapes and you try to be professional. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm here live, blah, blah, blah. Cause you're trying not to sound like a 22 year old kid talking about tip dist districts when you don't know anything about it. Like, um, 
So yeah, I think at the beginning, it, you're, it's a learning process, right? And you're trying to be professional. So you use that professional voice. And then when I went to WGN and everybody's just the morning show, it's just, you're you. And I'm like, oh, this, oh, okay, I can do that. And it's just learning. And I, I learned so much from those guys there. So I, I would credit that all to just being on WGN. What's it like to have Robin there who did your <laughs> job, like did traffic for forever and now is, you know, the most popular anchor in Chicago? She's amazing. Yeah. Well, the nice part too is she knows when I've got something important that's breaking. She's like, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Let's do that. It's a bigger story. And when the signal cuts out, she can jump right in and take over. So I don't have to feel bad about that. It's, it's great. I love Robin. She's amazing. <laughs> So how do you feel about when you're on the air, your description of our expressways? Do, yeah. you, do, you, do you have to go name or do you have to go number? I know. My husband gets in arguments with me about this all the time. Because the other day, I don't know if you saw one of my street school presentations, it was about 94. So my example, and people are always like, why do you use names? My example is 94 because it goes from Wisconsin all the way to Indiana and has seven different names. It goes by the Bishop Ford, the Dan Ryan, the Kennedy. I'm trying to look at my map now. Did I get, oh, the Kingery, which is between the Bishop Ford and Indiana, the Kennedy, the Edens, the Edenspur, and the Tri-State. So if I just said 94, it could be anywhere from Wisconsin all the way to Indiana. Like 65 miles. Is that what it is? I, I don't know how far it is. It's, it's something like that. Because <laughs> I, sure. I used to 65. go, I would go to Hallis Hall every day. Yeah. So I would go from Hyde Park to, to Town Line Road. Right. And that in itself would be about 45 miles. So oh if you God. pack in the other five miles that it takes me to get to Indiana and the other, you know, 20 miles or whatever it is to to get boop, 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 boop. Wisconsin, Look at your calculator moving <laughs> it's like 65 to 70 miles something like that so yeah like that that actually makes a ton of sense that you want to explain exactly where things are instead right. of being vague and saying that there's an accident on 94 right so to me it makes more sense because if i'm a driver and i hear bishop ford i know that's something i use that's the stretch of 94 i use to me that makes more sense my husband thinks that I should just be like 94 from I-80 coming in, 94 from 95th in, 94 from the Wisconsin state line in. I'm like, well, that's still just so, like to me, it just is so confusing because at least if you hear the name, most people, the majority of people are driving the same route every day, right? So you're listening for your road. And if you keep hearing me say 94 over and over again, you're not getting that trigger you need that's the Bishop Ford or the Dan Ryan. So in, I don't know, it's a, it's a highly debated issue. <laughs> well, does he have a background in traffic? No, he doesn't have a background in traffic. Come on, he does construction. Oh, okay. Well, maybe that, maybe that's why. All right. The, that, I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's driving all over the place. So that's why he's one of the people that, you know, needs to know it all. All right. So. That, all right. Then that's more fair than if he was an accountant. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> if you were an accountant. Who worked from home. Yeah. Right. Telling you about traffic. You'd be like, I don't yeah. know. If I, What's wrong I, uh, with this guy? I, I want to do that. What, what were your goals when you were in school? What were you thinking that you were going to do in this field? 
I, I didn't know, to be honest with you. I liked reporting. I liked anchoring. Um, I even did weather when I was in Champaign. I knew I wasn't excelling at that by any means. Um, I feel like, though, that I am in the perfect position now where it's just able to be creative and do things like we've been talking about while also doing the breaking news, the anchoring, the reporting. So I guess if you would have asked me back then what the perfect combination would have been, this would have been it. Something where I'm able to kind of be creative while still exercising the journalism muscle, if you will. <laughs> like, it, it, it's it's a, a weird thing to notice someone for, but you kind of first came into my purview when you were very honest and open and very educated on the Eastland disaster. Oh, and, really? And, yeah, okay. I, yeah. I thought that was in, incredible work. So what what made you decide that you wanted to share that story and share okay. it so publicly? So for those people that don't know, um, I did a story at the 100 year anniversary of the Eastland disaster about the disaster. Um, and I tied in my family's history to it. So growing up, I was on the Eastland Industries baseball team because my dad sponsored it. Um, they run a, a small family owned business in Hillside. It's called Eastland Industries, named after the Eastland disaster or the Eastland boat. Um, all because I had two relatives, a great aunt and an uncle who were on that ship um, that died the day of the Eastland disaster. So it kind of just got passed down through our family where that became the family's business name. And I just thought it would be really interesting. I never really knew much. I knew that the Eastland was part of our family history, but I didn't know much about it. So I thought with it being the hundred year anniversary, it would be an excellent time to kind of go back and look at that. And thank you to the, um, the Eastland group. They're awesome. They were able to put me in touch with, you know, some of the books that had some of the data on the passengers that did die and the passengers that didn't as well. And I was able to find my relatives in there. And we even went to the cemetery where they were buried. It was really enlightening to just kind of get more information about our family history with the help from, yeah, the Eastland group. Have you seen the, uh, the show on ESPN called Peyton's Places with Peyton Manning? No. There's a whole episode on the Eastland. No way. So what's his connection? Okay, so the tie-in to, to make it super Chicago-y yeah. is that George Hallis was supposed to be on the Eastland. Did he, he was, work for Western Electric? He did. He uh, worked for Western Electric, and he was supposed to be coming to the picnic, but no. he overslept. <gasps> and so everyone had thought that he had died. So his brothers are like knocking on the door. Wow. And, and he's like, what's going on? And he was completely alive. So when they did the 100 year anniversary of the NFL, they wow. were talking about how if George Hallis gets on the Eastland, there may not be an NFL. That is wild. It's I'll send crazy. you a link to it. It's, it's really bananas. It's crazy, too, how you say, you know, they, they didn't know if he was alive because back then, I mean, it's not like you got a text message. My right. family tells the story, too, of people, you know, a day or two later, they never came back. So they, you know, drove into the city and had to go through warehouses and you were looking for your loved ones. I, I can't even imagine. Yeah, it, it's uh, I'll send you the link to it because That's I was awesome. sitting there yeah. going as someone who loves like Chicago history stuff. Yeah, yeah. That blew my mind. <laughs> uh, and and some of the stories behind it like just 
it, it was, it was really, really cool. So seeing you do that, I thought was dope. And, and I do think that it speaks to a level of freedom that you guys have at, at, at channel nine that, yeah. that unparalleled locally around the nation. Yeah. We're very lucky. Very, very lucky. Well, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Yes, I know, I know thanks that, for inviting me. Everyone's yeah. like, who is this girl? <laughs> Are you kidding me? People, people know you now. Like they, they, <laughs> I'm sure Brian Erlacher is going to tackle you when he sees you in public the next time. Or maybe, I'll bring maybe in my little thing I made. Yeah. I mean, he probably loves it. Like Restore, I would imagine, really loved that. I'm shocked. I'm sure. I was email. thinking, should I have written them and asked first for some money? <laughs> <laughs> so I've got an idea, but I'm going to need 20 grand first. <laughs> I'm going to need some what they like to call payola. Yeah. <laughs> journalistic views. Like, Get out of yeah. here that nonsense. <laughs> I was not paid at all for that. I know you weren't. <laughs> you were just out there doing great stuff. And so I think you're so sweet. Oh my on the podcast. And I know that your, your babysitter's leaving and you got two little nightmares that are getting ready to happen for you. Uh, I was so thankful this week was, yeah, we had a babysitter two days this week. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Well, you keep keep doing great work and, and thank, thank you. For you too. You're so sweet. Oh my gosh. Have a wonderful day. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. So that was a treat. That was a lot of fun to be able to talk with Sarah. And I gotta tell you, the Brian Erlacher restore thing in her traffic report was absolutely inspired. If you didn't see it, it's so great. So great. I think it's on her Instagram. I think she posted it on her Instagram, but I really like her, her whole style. Like I, I get it. And it's so great because I, I noticed such a similarity between her and Robin and that path. Like we were talking about where Robin used to do traffic. Now she's an anchor. I think that Sarah's got that same authenticity, that realness that she's not afraid to be who she is. Channel nine seems to foster that man. They, they seem to allow you to do and be whatever it is that you want to do or be, which I think is a really, really great thing. It's been a, re- a weird week for me when it comes to I've been ultra productive this week and I've, I'm learning things. So I feel like I'm creating new synapses and pathways for my brain because I've been focusing in on doing a lot of stuff. I also read a piece, uh, Mel actually sent it to me, a piece about how being on Zoom is draining for us, that we need to spend some time like away from Zoom and that it's more draining than actual meetings. And I can understand that. Like sitting in my office for a big chunk of the day is not, not particularly great, but I do get like a big adrenaline rush once I get something done or I have a great interview like the one with Sarah or or people are starting to become subscribers to the YouTube page. Like Those things are are good, but I guess you do have to be careful. It's it's weird, though, because now is a time where there are people that I've wanted to interview that they actually have time to do the interviews. So getting the people that I want on the podcast on the podcast, plus now getting video of it, which is not something that I could do sufficiently enough 
using like if I did if I invited someone to the score for example to to do an interview there I mean that's like I'm starting to think of like what the vision is going forward and and the vision is to really like make a studio studio but that's way down the line like make a full-fledged studio but that costs a lot of money and we're not making any money we're also not trying to make any money at least not yet but I think that that is is going to change I think that we're going to get back into the advertising game pretty soon which is great because when the company has money when House of L has money that means I can pay people to do stuff like I can pay people like Rick Camp to do episodes and I got a couple other people in mind that I want to do episodes with so it's on the list of things but big thanks to Sarah Ginger that was really dope really dope anyway I'll I'll stay working I was just venting saying we're being asked to do a lot and you try to keep doing a lot because it means stuff to people. You have the opportunity to share and express stuff. And I think that that's good. I appreciate you listening to the podcast so much. Do me a favor. Go over to the House of L podcast and check out the YouTube page. House of L podcast YouTube page. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please do so. Give me five stars, write a review. It actually helps with placement when it comes to Apple. Not that we're hurting. We're doing really well, but you can always do better. Thanks for listening. I will see you next week with a whole new set of guests. Subscribe to the House of Hell Podcast YouTube page. Peace.